Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I am your host, Nick Webster, chair of Cal South and uh, host of this delightful show. Sorry we've been away for a while, but now we are back and better than ever before. Today on the show, well, this lady's resume, second to none. The first female director for the Joe Machnik number one camps. Soccer player in Italy, assistant women coach at the University of Richmond, director and staff of Soccer Plus Camps, founder and executive director of the Girls Can Club, coach educator and ethics committee member of the United Soccer Coaches, a property manager, developer, residential real estate supremo, and of course the founder, writer, speaker, coach educator of soccer parenting, Sky Eddie. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That is a long list. I feel really tired all of a sudden. Well, I cheated and went to uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I don't do all of that now. That's everything I've ever done. <laughs> a very impressive biography. So first question for you. What does Sky Eddie, the founder of SoccerParenting.com, say to the 18-year-old Sky Eddie at the University of Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Well, you're going and diving in deep right there. Um, Yeah, so as for many athletes, uh, my transition to college was a hard one. So uh, my 18-year-old self as a freshman in college was certainly struggling. Um, I would would probably just give her a lot of confidence. But I would also, um, you know, by that time in my life, the game was really meaning a lot to me. It was transformational for me. I had met so many people, traveled all over the world at that point. Um, And so I think I would say, keep going. Um, The game will continue to deliver to you throughout your life. Um, Stay involved. It's just what I've done. What, what, What do you think the hardest challenges are for freshmen in college yeah, I mean, there's a lot of identity issues that, you know, we dive into this a little bit at soccer parenting and, you know, how our kids form identity um, when they are spending so much time around the game at such an instrumental age, you know, in that 10 to 16 year old age time when we're really, you know, structuring who we are internally. So I think that, you know, one of the challenges that athletes face in that transition to college, which can be really, you know, difficult for many reasons, especially as an athlete, um, is trying to figure out who they are outside of the sport and making sure that they're clear on their value and their worth um, beyond what they bring to the table as an athlete. You know, that's, you know, Nick, especially relevant because oftentimes, um, you know, this is when you're not getting playing time where you've always played, you've always been the best, and all of a sudden you're struggling or having to battle a little bit more than you have before. And it can be really easy for that to become the narrative of I'm not worthy. So, yeah, I think that's a big transition at moment. Well, you mentioned being defined by the sport. However, to excel and be the best at the sport, you really have to immerse yourself in it to really maximize your potential, your talent. So that balancing act, how does... How, how, do, how do you, within your platform, describe that process to players and to parents about maintaining that balancing act? And if you want to be the best of the best, 
getting that single-minded vision, but at the same time, not allowing it to define you. Yeah. At Soccer Parenting, we're really focusing on educating, supporting, collaborating, engaging with parents. So there really necessarily isn't a lot of voice that we're messaging to players. But to parents, I mean, I think issues that are relevant to this topic for parents are making sure that our children um, know how much we love them beyond their competition. You know, one of the things that I talk to parents about sometimes is, you know, how we show up for our children after they make a mistake or after their team loses. Um, When their team wins, are we much more excited than we are when they uh, maybe tie a game or lose? Like, how are we showing up emotionally to our children and how are our children feeling as a result of that? Um, do our children feel as what I'm trying to say? Do do our kids feel like we love them more when they win versus when they lose? And you know those things tie into um, you know identity issues for our children. I think the other thing about this topic is that that we work with parents on is you know trying to find that really unique balance as a parent between pushing too hard and letting our child lead the way. And you know this was the nuance of that it was something that. You know, I had to really navigate, reflect on, think a lot about as a parent for a high-performing player. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a, a hard line to, to say. Like, if our kids are saying they want to play in college when they're 14 years old, but they're not following that up by spending time in the gym or spending a little bit of extra time working on their game, um, how far do we push? When, 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 is, when is too much too much? So, as a parent, though, so I, I, I read um, Agassiz's autobiography, mm-hmm. actually one of the, the best autobiographies I've, I've ever read, and his dad was an absolute monster and pushed Andre so hard that Andre actually said he hated tennis, and yet at the same time became the best player in the world, became number one, mm-hmm. one, of, one yeah. of five or six players to ever be a Grand Slam champion. And obviously his, his dad saw something in, in Andre that obviously Andre didn't see in himself. Now, as a, as a parent, when you see your child, and I, I think maybe I'm in that, that same position, maybe to a lesser degree, but you know, my son has incredible athletic gifts that I know have the ability to change his life in I would hope in, in, in more positive ways than negative ways. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel mm, comfortable stepping into that role of Andre Agassi's dad and pushing my kid to that limit because it will change our relationship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, 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 do you, when do you step in? When do you step back? And what advice do you give to parents who see athletic excellence in their child yeah. So, I mean, to be really clear, I'm not like a performance coach or I don't have any background in sports psychology um, or family counseling or anything like that. So on our soccer parenting platform, a lot of advice that parents are receiving are from experts who I'm interviewing. And so what the people who I'm interviewing are saying as far as, you know, how, when to step in and when not to step in is to really let your child lead the way. Um, and to what I say to parents often is follow your instincts, you know. And that's what was going on with me and a lot of what's driven the work that we're doing with soccer parenting is that 
my instincts were telling me that there was a better way that I could show up for my child. And so that required me to actually pause and reflect on that and to educate myself, to myself, to talk to experts about these things, to get some insights into, um, you know, how how I could best show up for my child. And so, you know, that's what we're encouraging parents to do as well. But, you know, when we talk about a high performance athlete and, you know, their journey along that pathway, I think things that are really important for parents to understand are the concepts like the nonlinear nature of development. Like our children are not going to go from A to Z. There's going to be so many ups and downs along the way. And what's important is that as our children navigate those ups and downs, that they know that we're by their side, that we believe in them. Um, and, and I think that's the best that we can do for our kids. How far they go down that pathway, whether they not whether or not they choose to take advantage of their athletic gifts or not, um, and and on the flip side of that is that so much of being a high high performance athlete comes down to whether or not our child child is truly gifted with amazing athleticism and speed and and so you know a lot of this our kids can have the greatest goals and mentality towards things but they're still not going to be able to reach what seems like the highest because they simply aren't athletic enough. And so we need to understand that as well. So what was the inflection point then that made you, that the light bulb went off in your head and you said, aha, I want to do something about this parent-child relationship and, and, and how it all mm-hmm. melds together in the chemistry. Was, it, was, was, there, was there like a moment where you're on the side of the field going, this is it? Or was it just <laughs> a, a, a slow, a slow, steady build up to... Uh, maybe a frustration or yeah i mean there are there are are a few different sort of origin stories for soccer parenting because i came to it from different spaces so in my role as a coach and a coach educator and as a player you know i became acutely aware of the fact that um well i mean as a coach i was always aware of the fact that the coach parent relationship was one that was often lacking in trust and was strained So I knew that coming into all of this. You know, I had been in coach education courses myself where the people that are mentoring me are saying, you know, just avoid the parents and don't get it, you know. And so, you know, there was this negative um, sort of connotation to you sports parents that I was aware of. Um, As my daughter was coming up in the game, um, it became obvious to me that her experience would be better if I was collaborating with her coach as a parent And then on the second side of that, and sort of the second origin story to it, is that her developmental environment was not great. Um, uh, She was lacking in enthusiasm and starting to not enjoy soccer and would come into the car after training saying how bored she was and uh, it wasn't any fun. And so when I went to evaluate and just to kind of observe her practices, I saw exactly what she was talking about that it wasn't a good environment for kids to learn um, and be excited and engaged and inspired at the age of eight or nine. And um, and when I asked the other parents, not causing any stress, just you know quietly asking some of my friends, they were all totally satisfied with this environment that really wasn't good enough for these kids and they deserve better. And so that was certainly another origin story moment and reflection or uh, kind of a, a point where you know, things kind of clicked for me. Um, But in addition to those two stories of, you know, wanting to, knowing that the relationship with a coach mattered with parents, 
and seeing her development environment, layering in, and I, I can say this with such clarity now because my daughter has graduated from college. She had an incredible college experience. She was an All-American in college, three-year captain, played every minute of every game, um, had such an incredible experience. But it was not always easy with her. And I was really struggling as a parent. I thought with my background in coaching and playing that I would be a great sports parent. And the fact of the matter is, and I see this with clarity looking back, is that I was really struggling. I was struggling because her mentality was much different than mine. And I was trying to get her 11-year-old self that was nothing like me to try to be like I was because I thought that that was what I knew. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of all three of those things, my instincts telling me there was a different, a better way, her environment not being great, and really, you know, wanting to have a trustful relationship with a coach kind of all came together. So you mentioned the C word, the coach. And from my experience, coaches and parents kind of like oil and water. You know, coaches have a tendency to... A little tunnel vision, my way or the highway. And of course, as a parent, you're focused on your child, not the team. Navigating that sometimes can be very dangerous and it can be detrimental to, you know, your child's playing time as the coach is like, well, this sky lady, she's she's driving me crazy. You know, I'm going to indirectly, I'm going to take it out on the kid. How do you build that relationship with the coach. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to backtrack just for a second, I really hope those things don't happen. I really hope that, you know, that coaches aren't taking out their feelings about a parent on a player, but we know that that does happen. Um, I also think that it's really easy for um, us to have, us meaning from a coach perspective or from a parent perspective, to make quick judgments on people. And, you know, foundational to our work at Soccer Parenting, it's the most important thing we talk about. It's we often come back to in all of our education for coaches and for parents is about establishing trust. And, you know, if we look at the components of trust and how we need to show up for one another to have trust-filled relationships, because when we trust one another, then our kids are going to be in a better developmental environment and we're going to be showing up um, into the environment as coaches and as parents um, doing better. So, you know, if we think about some components of establishing trust, it's listening first, it's um, getting better, it's righting our wrongs. Um, you know, these are all things that we need to consider, um, keeping our commitments and, um, you know, demonstrating empathy uh, and, and understanding for one another. So, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of ways that we can do that. Um, I do think that when I talk to coaches, um, they think that parents have all the power. And when I talk to parents, they often feel like coaches have all the power, meaning exactly what you just said, like the coach chooses the playing time for my child, the coach. And so because of this confusion about the, in, the power imbalances that exist in the relationship, it's just really conducive to a lack of trust. And so, you know, these are things that we need to get better on. Um, I do a lot of coach education around emotional intelligence, around trusting ourselves before, you know, before we show up to trust other people and how we can trust ourselves more. And quite frankly, I do a lot of parent education around that as well. Um, At Soccer Parenting, we have our CREATE framework for parents, and that's six steps to being a more inspiring and empowering soccer parent. And, you know, those six steps are, you know, start with find your community, find your people, 
level-headed parents who are sometimes stressed kind of unite here and then reflect, educate yourselves, hold yourselves accountable, establish trust, and engage with one another. So, you know, that's a framework that we have for parents as far as that is concerned as well. Within that, you know, interesting triangle of parent, coach, player, Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, a lot of powerful words. The one one you didn't mention that I want to pick up on is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. How does how does that come into play within that triangle? Because I think as 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 a member of each of that triangles, you know, the vulnerability component is very hard. As a player, you know, you want to be supremely confident. As as the coach, you want to come across as you know what you're doing. And as the parent, well, you're the the all you know seeing soothsayer so mm-hmm. h- how does how does vulnerability play into that and and how at soccer parenting do you weave in this magical mystical and perhaps the most powerful component in life mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a great question I actually don't talk a lot about vulnerability um, I guess because maybe when I think about how we show up for one another within the ecosystem or within the environment. Um, I guess it's a word that I don't use a lot, even though it is what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, how vulnerable are we asking our children to be by having them, you know, perform in a stressful environment? You know, the, the vulnerability that our children need to show up in just to play a match just to go to a tryout. Like, these are all lessons that are just front and center for our children. And then as a coach, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, my experience as a coach and how it feels to lose a game or, you know, how it feels to um, to have to have a difficult conversation with a parent. Um, it's always kind of putting ourselves out there. And then, I mean, it is so hard raising children in today's society. I was in New York City this weekend speaking – or this week speaking at an event – and, you know, that was one of the conversations that we kept coming back to is just the societal pressure that our children have right now, that we have as parents right now, raising children in today's environments. And, um, you know, being a parent is in, and showing up is, is vulnerable. Um, one of the keynotes that I give, and um, it, I, I've been giving this keynote, I do, I do a lot of speaking at, um, like, state association AGMs and in rooms where uh, there's a mix of parents and coaches and maybe it's a award ceremony for for an organization or a league and um the keynote that I've been giving a lot lately is entitled go with an open heart and you know this is how we need to show up for one another we need to we need to show up and um and and go with an open heart meaning soccer has such a unique ability to bring the world together if if we let it and I guess, you know, even though I don't use the word vulnerability, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, I mean, your, your experiences uh, over the course of your career, of, of course, super organic. They happen. You move on. How do you teach that component, though, of vulnerability? Uh, because it, 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 it does seem to be such a, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a mystical component. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I meet parents and, and they refuse to display vulnerability for, for one reason or another. But I think with our experiences, we know that if they can, it's going to completely change the dynamic between them, coach, child. So how do you go mm-hmm. about teaching that? And is that something that soccer parenting does? 
Um, I mean, for for parents to, to you know, I, I guess when I when you're saying that, what I'm thinking is like, well, why aren't they expressing vulnerability? Why aren't they able to? Uh, and so, why is there a lack of trust? I think about a conversation that I had a couple years ago with one of the moms, the of a girl that I was coaching, um, so U10 team, and uh, this girl was exceptionally shy. Um, you know, had a hard time making eye contact with her teammates, with me. Uh, she's a great player. She plays center, central in the in the field, like great, great, great player. But um, was really, you know, had some sincere uh, life challenges with how she felt and her shyness. And so re- remembering a conversation, the mom called me and she said, Sky, um, Ashley... Uh, you you said something after the game or at halftime, I don't remember, um, on, on the weekend. And Ashley didn't understand what you meant. So um, I'm encouraging her to come and ask you about it. Now, of course, she was actually listening to the halftime talk or the post-game talk. Like, these are the shy, quiet kids. They listen to every word you say. They hear you. They process these things. So... You know, part of me was so excited that she was like actually hearing and growing from the feedback that I was giving to her, the team. And the mom went on to say, so we've been rehearsing her coming up to you to ask you this question. If she comes anywhere near you uh, and is like trying to make eye contact with you, can you please engage with her? (laughs) And to me, that was a beautiful expression of vulnerability from the mom because Three weeks later, a month later, we were going to have tryouts. The mom could have thought this would be demonstrating a weakness of my child that I don't want to highlight to the coach. But instead, the mom and I worked together to help Ashley develop this skill. And, you know, she asked me during training and, you know, I'm walking out with the team uh, to where the parents are and I give the mom a little wink, wink like we had it. She's like a big smile on her face. Like that's that that those are the moments that we need to really uh, you know, amplify. Um, and that that mom felt totally the ability to be vulnerable for me. I work really hard to establish that environment so that the parents know that I care more about their children as people than as athletes. And, uh, you know, this is how we need to show up for each other. Um, coaches need to show up that way and parents need to show up that way. So if I was to ask you a, a, a very deep and personal question, you don't have to answer it. If you could give three examples of vulnerability that you yourself have experienced as a player, as a coach, and as a parent, and how how that came about and how you felt after the experience happened. Mm. Um, tell me what you mean by, like, how... Uh, co- well, okay, I'll, I'll answer your question. Although, again, I think I might not be using the word vulnerability when I'm when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about these things, or I don't necessarily. It wouldn't have come across to me like that's how I would have described it. But, I mean, I, as a player, the most vulnerable time I had was losing in the national championship game on ESPN six nothing. Like I was a goalkeeper in that game. I mean. Uh, that was a really challenging time because I, I really, uh, despite the fact that it seemed from the statistics that I played really well and I was defensive MVP of the Final Four, uh, you know, I knew that I did not show up for that game like I wanted to. And um, so that was extremely vulnerable. Um, 
I get reminded of that very often from my Chapel Hill friends or from, you know, different people interviewing me about, um, about, you know, my playing experiences and asking me about that. So, you know, it's something I continue to revisit. But now, you know, it's just a part of my story. Um, as a coach, I mean, my most vulnerable moments that I can think of as a coach were actually through coach education getting my national goalkeeper license, getting my B license, like the nerves, the stress that I felt as a coach, trying to, you know, present and be evaluated by the national coaching staff for different sessions. So by far, that's that. Um, as for like maybe be feeling vulnerable as a coach when your team loses in a tournament, or um, I remember when I was a very young coach, the team was winning like I think two nothing with ten minutes to go in a tournament final, and we lost three to two. Like, <laughs> like that—that's a problem, <laughs> you know. But um, that wasn't the first story that came into my mind when I was thinking about that. So yeah, there's those times too. Um, I mean, being a parent, I think, is just consistently vulnerable. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many layers and so many lessons there. Whether that be, um, I think it also is like not advocating for your child. When I think about moments that I felt vulnerable as a parent, it was when I wanted to speak up and advocate and I didn't. Like that actually felt very vulnerable, um, feeling like I I was not um, like letting go because it's vulnerable. So SoccerParenting.com is just, we're working together with CalSouth. Mm-hmm. Tell us how the platform works and how parents can find you and what can they expect when they are part of the uh, soccer parenting family yeah so um our education platform is soccerparentresourcecenter.com and um through and we're really excited to partner with um with you all and know that you know as parents can engage with our platform and um find a community and be educated on different topics um, that we're going to be making you soccer better. You know, at Soccer Parenting, we believe that parents will be difference makers when it comes to improving the game and that when parents seek information about how to best support their child, that great things will happen. And so the education platform is a very um, robust tool for parents to be educated and to find their community Um, And uh, we work with parents on various topics, everything from anything related to the body for our kids, like when to start lifting, injury prevention, um, return to play protocols for injury type stuff, or um, how growth impacts performance and um, information related to mental performance, the mental side of the game. All of this content is curated for parents to support their kids. We also do a lot of work around coach-parent relationship, around the next level, whatever that might be, whether your child's on a performance pathway or going from rec into a travel program, whatever that next level might be. Um, We do education around parenting itself, car ride home, and and then the game. Information for parents about laws of the game, different um, principles of play, uh, sort of general nuanced information about does that even make sense? General nuanced. I say I just said that. I was like, I don't know if that even makes sense. But general information about if the game. If I can spell it, it makes sense. <laughs> um, general information about the game to support parents. Yeah, and so the content on the site is available in courses, in different interviews that I've done with the experts globally, um, different ways for parents to interact and engage with the content. So yeah, um, we really encourage parents to. Um, 
purchase a membership. Um, it's super affordable. We want to make you soccer better, not more expensive. It's $3.49 a month for a parent to join or $36 a year through this partnership. Fantastic. Before I let you go, you're a goalkeeper. Who's your favorite goalkeeper and why? Hmm. Um, well, growing up, my favorite goalkeeper was Peter Schmeichel. Like, I had his posters all over my walls, the Soccer America, you know, centerfold, cutout, magazine cover, whatever. Um, he was probably, I, I played a lot, like we had very similar techniques and uh, yeah, so for me, that was probably, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, I grew up emulating and wanting to be just like. A goalkeeper's crazy. Yes, of course. We are a we are an interesting breed, for sure. Uh, get a group of us together and watch out. But uh, no, I mean, I think it's safe to say that goalkeepers that perform at a high level probably have a little bit different mentality, yes. Skyeddy founder of SoccerParenting.com. Thank you so much for joining The Bear and the Ball and thank you to our sponsors, Pets Video, Trace.com, and of course, Soccer Parenting. Sky, we'll see you on the pitch sometime and thanks for joining The Bear and the Ball. Thanks so much for having me, Nick.